The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Light. May your arms be right, may your songs be tight, may your words give sight, may your newer shine bright, may you always be on the righteous side of the fight, may your lovers be loyal, may your soil be fertile, may your khaki stay creased, may your locks stay oil, may your plans never get foiled, may your plot thicken, may your chicken be halal, may your style be sufficient, may your soul be free of its prison, may Allah increase you in your vision, may you find everything you've been missing, may you awake for prayer before the sun has risen, when you speak may your audience listen, may you never feel trapped in a system may you sire many righteous children who will act on prophetic tradition may you always have food on your plate may you learn from every mistake may you rise above all the hate and may Allah increase you in your state may you never pretend that you are what you ain't may your friends be real and never be fake may your rent never have to be late and may your health always be great May Allah forgive every sin Now and forever if you falter again And may you always stay close with your kin And may he make all your enemies friends May he make reality of your plans May your present be pleasant May you have a good end May your heart be purified of his flaws And may you act according to the laws That were revealed in the book of Allah And may he catch you whenever you fall May the one guide you to the truth And when you doubt may he show you the proof May you be like the Ahla Suf With the wisdom of the elders The energy of the youth May he accept your prayers and your fast The very first all the way to the last And remove obstacles that you have And may you receive everything that you ask May you never have regret for your past And receive mercy not the wrath And as you travel down your personal path May you always have a reason to laugh
Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the book club show Inspire 105.1 FM. I hope you enjoyed um, that dua by Baraka Blue. It's called Love and Light. Um, it always, always, always um, uh, kind of fills me with joy actually listening um, to that um, first thing in the morning. Um, and it's something actually that it's um, something I'd recommend actually listening to quite often because the was um, as part of that are absolutely beautiful. Um, now, the reason I was playing that is because we are today going to be discussing actually a collection of poetry by Baraka Blue. Um, so I'm going to give you a quick introduction to anybody who um, maybe doesn't know much uh, about Baraka Blue and his uh, his uh, background. So Baraka Blue is a poet, musician, author, teacher and MC. He is highly decorated within the global artist community for his original synthesis of hip hop and spoken word um, poetry with the tradition of mystical poets such as Rumi and Hafiz. He, um, so he's released um, quite a few um, albums, but basically for his research, um, he's done a lot on... Um, kind of Sufi poetry. He holds a master's degree um, in Islamic studies and um, he's performed basically around around the world. We've actually had the pleasure of um, hosting him in Luton on two occasions. Um, and he, um, so we, we as part of actually uh, Dharamana, which is a local um, Muslim women's organization, we um, held a poetry night at um, the Hat Factory, uh, which was um, the Connors Cafe. Um, so he is an amazing individual, amazing poet. Um, so this collection of poetry, um, the book is called Empty and the Ocean. Um, so we'll give you a blurb at the back. In the name of infinite compassion and mercy, what you hold in your hands is a collection of poems. These poems are reflections on living and dying and dreaming and awakening. I proceed with the firm conviction, for what reason I cannot say, that below the layers of persona we each wear, there is a place deep within where we all meet. It is for this reason that we can feel deeply the expression of another being. Without this, there would be an impassable chasm between each individual. In a forest, each tree appears an island, separate from all others. But below the surface, their roots are intimately interwoven. And more importantly, they are all woven into and out of the ground of being itself. It's a beautiful um, blurb just to give you background on what the collection of poetry is like. Um, now, what we're going to do today is just have um, just kind of discuss some of the um, poetry that he's written. But before that, I thought it'd be interesting to just give a general background on um, the art of poetry itself and actually how it does relate um, to ourselves in terms of our faith as Muslims. Um, now, there's a wonderful lecture by Sheikh Hamza Yusuf um, that you can see on YouTube. And um, he did an event called Shakespeare um, and Islam at Shakespeare's um, Globe Theatre, I think, uh, many, many years ago. Uh, but you can actually see the um, lecture on um, YouTube um, if you just type in Shakespeare and Islam. And he actually discusses in that this um, the relevance of actually and how important poetry was as part of um, the Islamic and kind of Muslim heritage. But even prior to that, so even prior to Revelation, um, and the prophethood of the Prophet um, poetry was a very very big thing um, in Arabia um, and actually they were so so eloquent in their language and what had happened so at the time of revelation actually uh, what Sheikh Hamza Yusuf um, explains is the poetry reached a pinnacle in that area so when the word of Allah was revealed and they heard it they actually appreciated its kind of uh, majesty straight away and they recognized something really really beautiful and profound in the words that the prophet was actually um kind of sharing with them um and even actually it's explained in the lecture that even 
there was a time that for to study uh, the Quran, there was actually a prerequisite prerequisite um, to know um, or have studied poetry. So it's really, really interesting, actually, when we think about maybe, I guess, nowadays where um, we have our young people or, or, you know, older even, where we want to study the Quran and, and uh, you know, be Hafiz and et cetera. Mashallah, they're really, really beautiful intentions. But just knowing that actually historically that actually being able to study you know arabic poetry was such a um important thing just so you could actually really go in depth of what the the meaning of the quran um so i actually when i first heard that i thought it was really really interesting and um and also obviously we we know when we're reading the quran there's a whole chapter which is called the poets um and i guess there's kind of a difference um in terms of how that language is used in terms of what a poet is and what a poet does so obviously we know that um the prophet was at times accused of just being a poet or um you know the words that he's saying so it was always to kind of ridicule him um and that's because obviously there was also a time when poetry was used to just um almost as a form of um, I guess distraction or, or just maybe not having much meaning but by the same token that um, it was trying to show that actually the Quran even though it's kind of poetic in its form and it's poetic in you know how when you read it and when you listen to it obviously it's the word of Allah is always going to be greater um, but again it's just this kind of um, comparison between um, poetry and the arts I guess in general which I think is really uh, amazing um, and the fact that again Sheikh Hamza Yusuf in this um, talk explains um that obviously if uh, the, the word poet is shair okay so if you sp- if speak urdu and we'll, we'll recognize that straight away that shair is a as a poet but in arabic um the word um for hair is shahar um so it's amazing when i heard this i was like it was completely like my mind was blown i was like whoa okay so obviously if anyone who studied poetry we know that every word um has a root word in, in arabic so the word for poet is shair but the root word is actually shahar which is um I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, but it's um, hair. And the reason is because um, hair, it gives you, obviously we know, so for example, we're in a certain situation where we, ha- we say our, our, you know, our, ha- um, our hair standing on end. It's because there has this, there's this tactile um, stimulation that actually our body feels and our hair kind of reacts to that. And it's the, I guess the analogy is the same the fact that when we hear really good poetry and that feeling of goosebumps or sometimes that we get how similar it is in terms of the sensitivity you know of the hair in our bodies um so again really beautiful comparisons where we start thinking actually a bit more deeper into what um poetry is and and obviously that brings me hopefully nicely onto um the book by Baraka Blue called Empty and the Ocean and it's a really wonderful collection um of poems and in his um introduction um he just really explains about the fact that um again he talks actually about this um, idea of the one who feels and the fact that um, a poet feels and provides the container so others may imbibe meaning and thereby across access feeling within themselves not feeling in the superficial and whimsical sense but feeling as a type of intelligence or intuitive um, knowing feeling as the extraordinary ability to experience the vast array of potentialities that consciousness allows poets are locksmiths fashioning keys unlocking forgotten rooms whole wings of neglected palatial manners enormous cages minuscule ones secret passageways 
tomb complexes, ancient fortresses, or anything else that may require an unlocking. Or poets are excavators with shovels and uh, pickaxes, tiny brushes and miniature chisels like archaeologists digging into the forgotten knowledge of who we always were. So poetry for some reason has the ability to access the deeper recesses of the human soul more efficiently than any other form of language, written or spoken. So that's kind of what he's, um, Barakabu's, included in his um, introduction and it's actually really lovely he's actually made a um, connection also to a, a poem by William Blake which I've always loved actually growing up um, so I'm just going to read uh, that section just to give a bit of context so poetry is a connecting science an art of unveiling the web of interconnectedness that lies hidden in plain sight beneath the appearance of outward forms poetry is a means to point to the eternal in the intemporal the universe in the particular the pattern in the random, the meaning in the seemingly inconsequential. In the words of Percy Shelley, poetry lifts the veil from the hidden beauty of the world and makes familiar objects be as if they were not familiar. William Blake put it succinctly, to see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. So um, that really beautifully sums up actually the link between um, this idea of creating meaning in something um, and also to look at, you know, deeper and that kind of juxtaposition um, between the, the, the small and the big or the kind of the profound and uh, what we might think actually is maybe is almost meaningless and insignificant. But actually, when you really start um, looking at something and um, with a bit more meaning, how actually um, deep things that can be. So I think in that sense, it's a you know lovely introduction um, to the collection of poetry. Um, and then he also in the book um, refers to a hadith by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is the truest thing that a poet, a poet has ever said. Everything other than God is vanity. Um, so again, I think that's um, something really, I guess, to think about that when we anything that we do um, in life, I guess, is that what is the meaning and the purpose behind it? Are we doing it for Allah or is it just for our own selves? And this idea that actually any form of vanity or pride it is really a veil between us and God. And we need to, I think, always um, constantly uh, be checking ourselves. Um, now, so the collection of poems, um, there, there's quite a few. So some are, some are longer than others. Um, so what I might do actually is share one of them. And the one I will read out is um, uh, the, the title of the book itself. So the poem is called Empty and the Ocean. Um, and just before actually I start reading it, it would be really lovely to hear um, any comments or views that you have. So you can call in this morning on 01582481822 or you can WhatsApp in on 0779481822. Uh, maybe actually uh, you enjoy writing poetry yourself um you know maybe as a hobby or you know maybe and you don't really get a chance to to share it i would love um, to hear it so please do um you can obviously um whatsapp it in and i can read it out or you know you can uh, call in as well and share it It'd be lovely to hear some of our um poets out there so coming back to baraka blue um this is called empty in the ocean empty and the ocean gentle and degrees pondering the notion peering through the breeze, watching how you're starving, coloured all in pain, your nonchalance disarming, but this is the final grain. When saying all means nothing, 
and all you give is lost. When darkness calls your number, and time itself is crossed. When winter is your witness, and all the crowds alone. When silly pride is finished, and you taste what is unknown. When all that you were chasing has vanished with the sand. When all the mirrors facing reveal a broken man. When all the hopes of one day had finally run their course and all of the excuses stood pointing at their source. When all are standing naked, focused on their own. When the sun itself is burning to be shaded by the throne. When all of the suggestions have vanished from your mind and all unanswered questions have opened up their blinds. All of the emotion seeking solace in the forms, empty and the ocean, the morning after storms. Picking up the pieces, searching through debris, moments that release us, gentle and degrees. Whisper to the skyline, someone take me home. Here comes another high tide, it's time you walk alone. Like all the hands of sailors, I'm cracked and weather-worn. Fog has filled the harbour, I'm waiting on the horn. So um, I think it's really um, a beautiful poem that Baraka Blue um, has written. He's obviously chosen the title of that poem to be the title of the book. Um, and I think from reading it, it really does give this... Um, I don't my I guess my first reaction is kind of just this idea of vastness and it could just be because of the fact that there's a reference to the ocean because when I think when I hear the word ocean somewhere it really does it's just something so much bigger and so much um and so yeah like I said just vast and and this idea of trying to encompass something but obviously we know that Allah is the one who that is all encompassing and, and the fact that you know we have oceans I mean we only I guess need to go to the seaside and just see the sea and when you're standing and you're kind of looking out to the horizon um it's just kind of never ending um but yeah and then so in terms of the references he he makes and it's just a lovely lovely um I guess uh, kind of rhythm to it actually in the way that obviously some of the um some of the uh, couplets obviously are rhyming but also it's just the the language itself because it's so simple um I guess that the words and the language that he's using but it's just um you know really really quite meaningful um and especially i guess one of my favorite bits probably is um the bit when he says so when all that you were chasing has vanished with the sand when all the mirrors facing reveal a broken man um and again i guess you know but this idea of brokenness and the fact that actually we as human beings we are pretty much um <laughs> quite broken and that's not really meant in a in a morbid way but this reflection that the reason we are in the dunya obviously we have a purpose but it's really about trying to that trying to walk um, on that journey um, back home, you know. And um, I mean, I only saw somebody uh, actually. There was a, pace, a post on Facebook uh, this morning um, by a friend of mine who who was just kind of saying, you know, what is the point of life? And you know, it was really interesting to read um, some of the. Um, responses that she's getting and actually the responses are beautiful you know the people like you know it's just you know to live or or to you know walk and and actually that's what reminded me because somebody said it's about walking each other home you know and it's the idea of companionship and, and being together but then also realizing that we are actually broken and but 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 we know and um our teachers tell us that you know lies with the brokenhearted and um it's really how we make i guess um the most of that um 
and then I think the other uh, bit was also that really stood out for me is um, when all are standing naked, focused on their own, when the sun itself is burning to be shaded by the throne. Um, again, obviously, that's a reference to um, the Day of Judgment, then, that despite how many attachments we have to this world, and actually that reminds us of one of the previous shows I did. Um, I had um, Shana as a guest uh, on the show. We were talking about Yasmin Jahid's um, How to Reclaim um, Your Heart and this reference that she makes also um, to um, this idea that we are, I guess, um, you know, trying to do our best to um, kind of get through life. But but this idea that um, on the Day of Judgment, obviously, we will... Oh, yeah, that's what it was. The, I lost my train of thought there. This idea that we have attachments um, and actually how that can actually really impact on our life. The more that we attach ourselves to materialistic things or and, and actually not even necessarily just materialistic, even people and places is that in the dunya, we put so much attachment to it. And then as soon as we um, experience loss, it really, really affects us and it, we get really low. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, it can affect our iman and, and things like that. But actually, that's why it's so important to have, you know, attachment with Allah. But by the same token, the Day of Judgment, we know that actually we are only going to be there for our own selves. We will not have any, um, it's God, it's not even, I guess, about having no time. We, we just won't have the capacity um, on that day to worry about anybody or anything um, except for our own selves. So the, the way he's actually um, summed that up, that we literally will be just focused um, on ourselves. And obviously we know it's going to be, uh, the sun's going to be very close, it's going to be hot. And this this seeking of, of the shade um, of Allah and how um, important um, that is going to be. And I think it's, he's referred to that um, in a really um, interesting, um, really interesting way. Um, and then obviously, even within the poem, uh, the, the section he actually uses the name of the title, Empty in the Ocean, it's all of the emotions seeking solace in the forms, empty in the ocean, the morning after storms. So I'm not quite sure actually what to make of this this idea of empty in the ocean, but I guess it's coming back to this idea of of the kind of paradox um, in life. So you can have the vastness and have maybe so many things where it literally is as full as you know maybe uh, the ocean, but then also by the same token feel um, quite empty. And I think it's that kind of um, comparison that really helps you appreciate both senses um, actually as well um, so I think actually as a, as, a, as a title and this reference to um, uh, trying to seek solace and the morning after storms as well um, because I mean we always we have that saying don't we in terms of um, you know weathering the storm or uh, the calm before the storm there's all these references I guess in life when we're talking about um, the experiences that we that we have um, and I guess he's just trying to make um, references to emotions and how we are and then how I guess we almost um, uh, what word am I looking for almost like a pendulum that we're sometimes um, feeling in a particular way where everything's really wonderful and everything's you know we feel full of life but then you know there could be something else that can happen and the pendulum literally swings the other way and and we're feeling completely empty and a little bit low um but i guess that's maybe you know maybe that's what life is is that kind of um swinging to and fro but then seeing how we can actually respond and reflect during um during those times that we have um and then he 
I mean, he, it's a really interesting ending to that poem. So it's like all the hands of sailors, I'm cracked and weather-worn. Fog has filled the harbour, I'm waiting on the horn. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure exactly what to make of that. Um, so if you have any thoughts, please do uh, call in. It's 01582481822, or you can WhatsApp in on 0777948182. Um I mean, I guess this idea of being a sailor, you would have seen the, the, the amount you use your hands and the fact that they would be cracked and, they, you know, just showing a lot of, you know, so much labor. And this idea that obviously when you are in a ship or a um, and obviously there's 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 fog of sea there, there there is always a horn just to um i guess mark your presence um but the fact that he ends the, the the poem by saying i'm waiting on the horn um i mean there obviously could be you know two meanings that he's using the metaphor of being on a boat and wait you know in fog perhaps feeling quite lost and then um waiting for the, the actual kind of horn but then it could also be a reference because he already makes a reference to the day of judgment that this idea that we are all in this dunya and we know um that allah has created angels and there's one angel who is literally waiting um with uh, the 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 horn that's going to be blown, uh, be blown on the day of judgment and it's at um you know at his mouth and um the angel is his his eyes are actually upon the throne of allah just waiting for the command um and the fact that actually we are that close and we do sometimes think that well you know the the end of life or so to speak um is is oh it's probably you know way 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 uh, <laughs> away in the future but but actually when we think about how imminent um imminent that end is and how we should be really prepared for that that end but i mean i i say the word end but obviously it's only the beginning of i guess the next and eternal life so there's always i think um different ways of approaching and, and, and thinking about things um so that is one of the first poems I've talked about called Empty and the Ocean by Barrack Blue. After the break, um, we are going to discuss another poem called Draw, Drawing Muhammad, which again is a lovely, lovely uh, poem that Barrack Blue has written. Um, so in the meantime, obviously uh, Ramadan is over when I was last in the studio. So you can actually go and grab yourself um, a tea or coffee and a little snack. And I hope, I'm not sure the weather's outside like, uh, but I hope it's nice and warm and I will see you in a bit. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. Um, I am your host Imrana Mahmood. It is Tuesday the 18th of June and it's 10.30. I hope you are having a wonderful morning. Um, the weather is a little bit better, thank goodness, because last week was, um, was it last week? God, I don't remember, but it was a complete downpour and it was, actually I really struggled. I really just could not understand how... It, we, we're in June and, you know, we all the talk about um, uh, integration. Honestly, the, 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 the weather should really learn to integrate itself. That's what I say. Right. Um, so today's show is... Um well, we are discussing Empty and the Ocean by Baraka Blue. Um, so it's a collection of poems. And Baraka Blue is a poet, uh, a musician, um, an author, a teacher, um, uh, an MC, And he's a really, um, a really, really talented and, and an amazing um, artist. Uh, we had the pleasure of having him in Luton a couple of years ago. And um, I hope, you know, it's something we can do again. His poetry is really, really um, beautiful, it's profound, and it's, you know, in, in, in a really um, simple way. Um, what I'm going to do now is actually um, go on to our next 
poem to talk a little bit about it. The first poem we spoke about is called Empty in the Ocean, which is the same name as the title of the book. And we we're talking actually about those two um, kind of the, the juxtaposition between something which is completely um, empty, comparing it to something so full and so vast like the ocean. And actually, um, I guess what I was trying to say is perhaps that is what life is, is these kind of the, this idea that we, it, we, it's just a pendulum and we, we swing from one um, to the other and these feelings of being high or low. Um, and I know one of the best things that actually I took from Barack Blue when he uh, was in Luton, I met him and, and he was giving a talk and this idea that we really do need to upgrade our intoxicants. And his reference was um, this idea that, you know, when we um, study the Persian poet Rumi or, or things like that, and there's always a reference to things like... Um, you know, a, a wine or, or, or the things like that. But actually, obviously, Rumi was not talking about actual, you know, alcohol like nowadays. This idea that actually we are talking about something so much more uh, profound and this connection to the divine and this idea of drunkenness. But but just because, you know, um, it's we're just full of love for Allah and the Prophet Sallallahu and, and, and all these kind of references, they really do make you think and appreciate um, things like poetry, actually, in terms of a form of art. Um, now, one of my favourite um, poems um, by Barak Kablu is called is called um, drawing Muhammad. Um, so I will give you a quick background actually on my I get I guess take on it, and then we have an audio of Barak Blue actually um, that I will play because obviously he is going to um, share that in a, in a much more better way than I could ever read. Um, but yeah, so just um, I guess give you a bit of a context, a, a very simple one. It's called Drawing Muhammad and it was in reference from what I'm assuming. So this is not what Barak Blue said, but um, obviously we know that there was a whole, there's been many occasions where uh, people have tried to attack um, the Prophet or attack the faith through um, trying to depict um, the image of the Prophet which we know obviously is not something that we do now. Um, and this was something I assume that he wrote um, to kind of challenge that notion. Um, and it is really um, uh, a lovely poem, which I am now going to play for you. And I just hope that it is going to come up so... It's called Drawing Muhammad. Drawing Muhammad. Draw the Prophet. Could you draw the jewel at the center of the lotus blossom of beginningless being if you wanted? Could you draw the bucket from the well of existence until you've exhausted every droplet? Draw the breath into your lungs and let your tongue draw Muhammad. Can you draw the light as it enters your optics? Can you draw the thought as it enters your conscience? Can you draw the light that drew the pen and the tablet that drew his praises upon it? Draw the breath into your lungs and exhale. Can you draw the sun in its glory? Can you draw the colors in autumn? Draw the bucket from the well of existence till you've exhausted every droplet. Then draw your lips to the cup of praise and sip what is offered. But you will still have not approached the topic of the form, let alone the meaning. 
draw what he heard in the cave? Can you draw the two bows distance? What was witnessed by the praised prophet's slave? May you be drawn to his banner when you raise from your grave. Can you draw a heart that could bear the weight of the name? Can you draw a mother's love for her child? Can you draw the calm in the midst of the wild? Can you draw forgiveness for your rabid oppressors and those who tried to murder you for sharing your message? Those who mocked you violently in your absence and presence draw the way he used their hatred to transmit a lesson. Draw peace in his heart, smiling at those seeking a fight, knowing even those who attack him are made of his light. You can draw the full moon in all of its glory, but to behold his countenance is a whole different story. You may not be able to draw this, but the best place to start is to draw his remembrance into your heart. Is the moon offended by the bark of dogs in the dark? Or does his light embrace all creatures, just like the ark? You may not be able to draw him, but the best place to start is to draw his attributes inward. That is the art. If all the nows in eternity and infinity conspired to draw the prophet, they would prostrate to the throne of divinity in awe and incapacity before their pens hit paper. In the ancient gatherings of the prophets and sages, all tongues fell silent before they exhausted his praises. And for those veiled from his light by their hatred, we weep in the depths of the night in prostration, that they no longer be deprived of the gifts so sacred, gazing upon his face, best of creation. So yes, brothers and sisters, let's all draw the prophet. Draw the breath into your lungs and on the canvas of your soul. Let love draw. So I hope you um, heard that beautiful um, poem um, by Baraka Blue called Drawing Muhammad. Um, and that's actually um, from a website that you can um, download the track and um, you can kind of name your price on it. Um, it's called Alchemical Theatre. Um, so I think if you... Um, uh, Google that you should be able to actually download that track and, and just um, name a price on it and obviously it's something I'd recommend just to have actually on your phone as an mp3 just to listen to because it is one of actually my my favorites and I think one of the reasons for that is is because it was um in kind of to challenge this notion of, of drawing the Prophet and the fact that we have had people um, recently and in the past to to almost um, wanting to ridicule and to criticise and just to challenge, I guess, this idea that when we say that we don't depict any image of the Prophet they actually go out of their way and want to do it. Um, 
But also, I think it's important to then understand how do we react and respond to that. Um, so um, historically, I mean, things have, you know, the prophets have always been uh, mocked, right? We know this from the Quran, from when we study the, uh, study, um, the stories of all, all the prophets that when Allah sent them, Allah says himself that they, they were they were mocked and they were ridiculed, that not everybody, you know, believed them, followed them, etc. And, you know, in what ways is it that we respond? I know there's obviously been times in the past where... Um, things have happened and we, we have resorted to um I, how would i um describe it i guess more uh, aggressive forms of of kind of um reacting and that's not me to actually i mean I, that's not for me to criticize or, or or say um anything of the sort but it's actually the beauty of the way in which i guess baraka blue has kind of responded to those things through a poem and actually um, kind of making a challenging, uh, making a challenge to those who have uh, challenged this notion of, of drawing him. So he obviously starts with the question. Um, so obviously, uh, uh, um, listening to audio, um, I'm not sure if that might come across, but but in the poem itself, when you read the book, it's the first line is draw the prophet with a question mark. Um, so it's it's beautiful. So he's obviously opposing a question there that you're trying to draw the prophet, and then he goes into this beautiful. Um, kind of um analogies of of what is it that you're actually trying to draw so um that first um the first section he's saying could you draw the jewel at the center of the lotus blossom of beginningless being if you wanted can you draw the bucket from the well of existence until you've exhausted every droplet draw the breath into your lungs and let your tongue draw muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam um so this idea that there's this things which are almost um, beyond things like matter that when we talk about the metaphysical and we talk about the, the the mystical um and i guess obviously there's there's a lot of i guess um uh, uh, focus on on things which are based in certain aspects of our religion that sometimes we forget because we become very ritualistic um, in terms of what we need to do in terms of prayer praying and fasting and and um, all these things and we forget sometimes to take a pause and reflect so even the reference to draw the breath into your lungs I mean literally it's just <laughs> really does make you think because breathing is something that happens it's a it's a passive uh, it's something that happens passively we don't think about it um, but it's true, we would not be able to draw, right? Us drawing the breath into our lungs, not really, not that real living, breathing, you know, part um, that we are always engaged in, but we don't really think about. Um, he then um, goes on to talk a little bit about, you know, can you, so he, he again poses um, two questions. Can you draw the light as it enters your optics? Can you draw the thought as it enters your conscience? So again, you know, this reference to things that are happening um, beyond our uh, control, things that we don't sustain, we know that Allah sustains in this idea of, of light, you know, and if you actually have studied science and, you know, the, the why is it or what is it that, makes us see it is literally light and you know entering our eye and then reflecting off an object and um and the fact that even when you start going deeper and deeper into what light is and we know that there's a um there's a spectrum you know if you have a prism and you refract um white light and we have the the you know the colors um that we then get which obviously we refer to as a rainbow um but again you know we it's it's true we wouldn't be able to actually really draw that i mean there might be diagrams i mean we know um that um it's part of our uh, kind of islamic heritage where we basically um invented the camera uh, but the camera obscura is something again you know you might see diagrams of that and how the camera actually works but it's only like 
it's nothing compared to how our eye, the, how our actual eye works, right? Um, so definitely, it's not something that we would, I guess, really be able to visually uh, capture in its true essence. Um, he then, in that same same section, says, "Can you draw the light that drew the pen and the tablet that wrote his praises upon it?" Um, again, in reference to um, the beginning of time that we know when Allah created the tablet and the pen, and again in reference to the fact that the first revelation of the Prophet obviously was Iqra, it was read, but then there's also obviously a, an ayah that which talks about qalam and and the pen and the power of the pen, and um, the importance of it in the fact that when uh, the pen actually obviously uh, wrote on the tablet, and you know the, all of time was encapsulated um, in terms of um, Allah's um, knowledge. Um, so again, you know this idea. That coming back to the title of the book which is Empty and the Ocean by Baraka Blue um, this idea of vastness and things which are completely beyond our comprehension um, but how you know we can still try to make sense of that and that's why I think this poem Drawing Muhammad is really really posing a challenge to all those out there who try to you know ridicule or even kind of um, um, provoke a response I guess of, um, of, you know of, of Muslims that they think that by doing these actions of um you know, oh, I think I can't remember when it was a couple of years ago. Someone was like, "Oh, yeah, let's, um, we're going to do a competition on on drawing um, on drawing Muhammad." And you know, to be honest, they can try as much as they want, I guess, to to really um, provoke um, and to offend. But it comes back to how are we then responding? And that's why I think this poem is quite um, it's it's an important poem, especially in the current political like social political context as well. Um, but more than that, it's just the meaning of it. If we put for once, if possible, the I guess the politics aside, um, but just really, even for our own selves, it's a challenge for our own selves as well. That how much do we spend, time do we really spend? I mean, maybe even thinking about the Prophet you know. And we know we've got so many hadith of, of his um, description, and you know, when you, and it's so important. Actually, they say that you should study the Sira, but also study the Shamail, which is obviously the, the, the description of the Prophet and it's. Um, I remember and it was really lovely to read that actually out of all the, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, the best descriptions were given by the, the young children. Because as adults, um, the companions are very shy to look um, you know, directly at the Prophet ﷺ, just out of respect and out of awe. But obviously as young children, you know, anyone who is a parent knows that children literally do whatever they want. Um, but they would really just they you know they'd spend time with the Prophet and they then gave you know really great and really detailed descriptions of what the Prophet looked like and we know in terms of his hair and his eyes and his and his build and we know that actually he was the most beautiful of creation um, and again I guess this is in some ways maybe um, you know, in honour of that, I think Barak Libu, I'm sure, I mean, I've said I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I mean, um, I think I myself, I, I do sometimes write poetry and I probably try to, probably struggle actually to try to even begin, like how do I even try to explore, you know, in terms of what the Prophet, not necessarily trying to say what he looks like, but just to uh, to to do justice on um, him as, as a person, right? Um, so that's why I think this is a really um, great way, I think, of just trying to explore that through poetry um 
It then also makes a reference, can you draw what he heard in the cave? Can you draw the two bells distance, what was witnessed by the praised prophet slave? And that obviously is in uh, reference to um, the revelation that he um, received in um, in Mount Hira and also when he actually travelled um, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heavens. Um, so there are some lovely like references and I guess it's almost um, a really also lovely way of just, if you were to share this with your children or maybe, um, I know, your spouse, that maybe they've not read it, before and through the poem you can then make reference back to obviously um, the stories of the Quran and the Sunnah and the Seerah etc so again I think it's always important that I know sometimes we don't maybe place that much importance on the arts but things like poetry creative writing actually there's any any art form you can always 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 link it back to something with your own faith and I think we always need to do that and, and that's when intentions become really important um, so you make the intention for whatever you do I mean honestly even if um, some of us maybe we love watching movies and we go to the cinema and we might think oh okay I don't know if it's you know, just is it a waste of time am I just um but actually make the intention you know even for a movie as long as it's obviously nothing um not suitable so to speak um make the intention you know for Allah that maybe you might gain something from watching or reading um something you, that you might seem trivial but actually you you could find some sort of profound meaning in it and I think it's really um important to do that um just in our daily lives anyway um so yeah so that was um the poem called Drawing Muhammad. I'm going to maybe share one one more, which is, again, it's a really interesting one. It's one of those, actually, that I have probably have to sit down with friends and really kind of unpick it. Um, but I will share it. Um, it's called Time and Space. Time is silly. So is space. I'm here. I'm there. I'm then. I'm now. There it's then now. Here it's not yet then. He was and no longer is, as all of us will be. We once weren't, and yet we are. It never wasn't now, and then has never come. Yet, I wait for a moment when I'll be all I ever was. Time is silly, so is space. Here and now is all we've ever found. Though we've searched for then and there, it always slipped our grasp somehow. The future was a lie, the past is but a dream. There is just a place no one here has ever been. When I finally got to then, it had turned itself into now. And every now and then I'd find that then was here somehow. When I finally got to there, here is all that I could see. Oh, I kept on seeking you, but when I got to you, my eye was you and you were me. Ha, so that's a nice one to get everybody really confused, right? Um, I think it's a really cool poem, actually. It's it, because the, in the fact that it starts by saying time is silly and actually it does really make you think that. So the way he's written it, I think it's intentionally to make you get a little bit like um, a bit perplexed, actually, on what time really is. And obviously we know uh, we always hear the thing that decided that time is relative. And, you know, if we study um, a bit of science and Einstein, etc. But, you know, what does really what does it actually mean? You know, when we say that is is, is time relative, but he's basically saying time is silly. Um, and so is space apparently um but yeah and it's this focus on what 
does it mean to be okay what does it mean to exist um i mean that's i guess what i take from it and this idea that we can be in one moment in one space now and literally um with <laughs> with a click of our fingers it's become the past and actually every moment we're living every breath that we take it becomes our history straight away and what so this is it this idea when we talk a lot about the past and the future you know is that even is that even something real you know i mean i have no idea when you start thinking like that i get i do, do get a little bit um <laughs> get a bit i think i just confused myself but yeah it's really is something to think about that and that's what he's uh, he's saying you know that um we so especially the bit where he says the future was a lie the past is but a dream um there is there is just a place no one here has ever has never been um but yeah, it's true. I mean, because the past is something that's already happened. The future, we don't know, obviously, what's going to happen. So the only thing we really can do is, is think about the here and the now. But then he's also questioning what does that actually mean? And it's such an existential, I think, thing to think about. Um, but, you know, and it, it does really make you think of our place um, and what, I guess all of this means in terms of the life um, and the dunya and uh, especially there's one bit where he says it's always slipped our grasp um, somehow and we know that time is one of those things it's we it's uh, you can never hold on to it and you know in reference to Quran and, and Surah Al-Asr where um, Allah you know he he swears by time and says that um, uh, that we are that as, as in human beings we are in a state of loss um, except those obviously who who um, are righteous and um, have patience etc um, so Again, we need to understand that that as much as we try to hold on to time, obviously every moment that passes, we are obviously getting closer to um, whatever you know our kind of destiny, I guess, is, and whatever our um, uh, the meaning purpose of our life is. And it's really important um, to remember um, to remember those things. And and I think it's lovely when near the end he says, "Oh, I kept on seeking you, but when I got to you, my eye was you, and you were me." I mean, I have talked about this to somebody. Um, in the past and what does that actually really mean so if we're talking about seeking and being a seeker obviously we're seeking the divine okay um but and what does it mean do we ever find the divine and there's again this notion of especially um in sufi poetry as well that actually to to know allah you need to know yourself um and how important that really is because we can try to search Allah on the outside and think you know he's he's there or here and you know I actually had my daughter say to me uh, just recently that oh you know sometimes because of maybe a book she's read or something she's seen on TV you know how um, they they d depict God as this being on a cloud and this is how he looks and you know but straight away she goes I know that Allah doesn't look like that and um I know that he's kind of beyond imagination and, and I think it's so important to actually just for her and um, somebody who's, you know she's quite young she's only nine to really understand that that when we talk about the attributes of Allah that we cannot comprehend and as soon as something comes into our mind where we think oh maybe that's what Allah might look like we know straight away that that's not you know, any image or anything that enters our mind we know it's not because Allah is beyond creation um, but this idea that when he says that I kept seeking you but when I got to you my eye was you and you were me but this idea that actually to uh, if we know know ourselves we will know Allah because that that really is because Allah is within us when Allah says that I'm closer to you than your jugular vein 
there's no reason then to think that Allah is beyond us, that he's beyond, um, I guess, um, I guess more importantly, knowing that he's actually really near. And I think that we can take a lot of comfort and solace in that, especially at times when maybe things aren't going quite right, or maybe they're going really, really brilliantly. Um, it's really important to remember that Allah is the source of everything. He is the source um, for 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 all goodness and anything that exists and we it's just something it's, it's a beautiful i guess reminder um for ourselves um especially um so i guess coming back to the book by um so empty and the ocean by baraka blue i mean there are so many more poems that um obviously that are in the book i've literally only touched upon a couple because it is one of those things that actually you you read and like i said that they're quite simple but then it's about taking time maybe you read you know one a day or even one a week and you just spend a bit of time uh, really reflecting on that and i think that's when poetry can really be uh, quite powerful so he's got another poem um about mothers which again is really really lovely um there's one you know about death there's one about dreams there's one in reference to you know garbala um he also has one um called uh draw the mosque uh, sorry destroy the mosque um and again it's referenced to other poets and the way they've um tackled you know certain issues but all in all, it's definitely a book, um, a poetry book that I would recommend. It's Empty in the Ocean by Baraka Blue. He also does have um, a couple of other books that you can probably refer to. And obviously, we started the uh, show with his um, beautiful The Wild Called Love and Light, which you can see on YouTube. Um, so um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you've enjoyed the poetry. And I'll be back in two weeks. Um, so I will see you then. Have a lovely day. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream? at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.